to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something during our year-long Meltzer 5-star quest project. As we watch every match, the Dave Meltzer is rated 5 stars or higher that we can find. It took a bit of searching for some, it took a little less for others. My name's Lorcan Mullen and with me is my co-host... Simon Cross. And Simon, we're reaching the end of two uh, runs. We're reaching the end of our Samoa Trigeology. Oh, Three straight matches that Dave Meltzer gave five stars, all involving Samoa Joe. And we're also watching our final ever match of Kenta Kabashi to get five stars. And it seems somewhat apropos that this is almost a Kenta Kabashi tribute act match mm. in a weird way. Not a tribute act, but a, a match in, in, in celebration of Kenta Kabashi yeah. and the influence that he's had on wrestling outside of his own sphere of knowledge because um it's fair to say so if based on facial expressions kabashi was not expecting the reaction he got when he made that entrance no um it's really like a heartwarming moment yeah, it's I kind just, of sweet <laughs> yeah i just think we should take a moment just so um if people like to listen to music and listen to us at the same time i think the appropriate track would be a goodbye by the spy skills so you guys can put that on right about now um but no, yeah, Joe. Because um... we're we're talking about. I'm not sure if we said uh, it's Samoa Joe versus Kent Kabashi on October the first, two thousand and five. A mere three weeks after Samoa Joe had just been involved in that previous five star match. So Samoa Joe's had two five star matches within a twenty two day period. Busy man, mm. uh, and he, God, yeah, Kent Kabashi is just such a. He's got such a like warm reaction it's just beautiful well, it's, not warm. it's kind of awe in fact yeah. like there are people that you can see in the front row that just can't quite believe they're seeing him in the they're flesh seeing kenta kabashi and not only are they seeing kenta kabashi they're seeing him against the emblem of ring of honor because <laughs> sometimes when japanese stars come in they're sort of given a little bit of reverence and a little bit of distance like uh, kiji muto had turned up as the great muta in a Ring of Honor show about uh, just under a couple of years uh, earlier and was in a tag team match with uh, a guy called Arashi against Christopher Daniels and Dan Math. And they did have... It was for the All Japan Tag Titles and they did try, but it wasn't like... You weren't getting 100% Kijimuto going right. on blazing. Similarly, when Mitsawa turned up a year... Uh, two, two years later, he only wrestled against Noah Talent. So this was literally the chance to see a dream match, a match that you would never have expected to see until it was announced, basically. And in a relatively intimate atmosphere. Like, there's no more than maybe 600 people there at that yeah. show. No screen, no, but, like, bells but, and whistles. But because of the low-ish ceiling and the excitement of those fans, that crowd beats... An eighty thousand seater arena in in so many different ways. 
Oh yeah, you don't realise how quiet a hundred thousand people can be until you're amongst them and you're watching something utterly garbage. Well, yeah, except for a brief period during the match where some people chant, "I can't see shit." <laughs> it's very hard to have a bad view of this match where you're yeah. live. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a ringer on a match without someone trying to be a smart ass, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, this is coming towards the start of just the chant culture taking over everything. Uh, very early on, we get this is awesome. And, and you don't, you know, what? sorry, go on. I was going to say you don't want to get all um, Grandpa Simpson old man yells at Cloud, yeah, but cool. you have on various occasions listed um, your problems with chanting culture. Well, it's just a hive mind mentality that I don't agree with. I, I just don't agree with it. But let's get back to the matter at hand. I was also, one note I made you're watching it in the way that the crowd was reacting is like, this is almost indie wrestling's Hogan Rock at WrestleMania 18. Do you get where I'm coming from? Two generations of stars. Yeah, yeah, it's a torch passing moment. Yeah. It's yeah. not really a torch passing because it's not a squash match, but there are periods of time where Kabashi really does dominate proceedings and he's rarely in true peril except for one yeah moment towards the end uh, well I, I, yeah I, I'm not saying like I don't think torch passing matches have to be squash matches personally that's yeah. me but <clears throat> I like the fact because obviously we've seen Ring of Honor Samoa Joe before where he was presented as very much the physical superior mm. And we're having to see, obviously, a different side of uh, Samoa Joe's Ring of Honor character because he is not. Yeah, this isn't for the title, but Joe is the challenger. Yes. Match. But what I love is that right at the start, like I said, that's why I, I walk back to saying that this is a tribute act because the very first thing that Joe does in this match is say, I'm not intimidated by you. I'm going to step up to you and I'm going to give you everything. He does his cutthroat gesture during the uh, ring introduction well, as well, which I love. He just slaps Kabashi in the face. That too. <laughs> and the oh that you get is one of the best ohs I've Again, ever it's the crowd realising it's not just going to be Joe like kind of being slightly reverent and maybe not being so super aggressive because Kabashi's already walking wounded. I don't know if you noticed, but they like basically put up some steps for him to get into the ring because it's obvious that his knees couldn't take like a jump up onto the apron from where he was. Like, they never had those steps in Ring of Honor for yeah. else. You, you... Oh, yeah, but Kabashi gets what he wants. It's fine. Well, Kabashi gets what he needs in order to get yeah. into the ring. It's ah, so... needs. I get nice. it. Nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm witty even when I don't mean to be. Uh, has anyone ever said you're a wit, Simon? Uh, they've added be half right. right. <laughs> I like how I went for one and you went for the other, but we basically had the same <laughs> core message. Uh, back to the match at hand. Um, it's very, like, strengthy at the start. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, they're doing the knuckle lock. They're, they're sizing each other up. Yeah. But, uh, and yeah, and Joe immediately is the aggressor. Like I said, he does a suplex. He does a, uh, he does a suplex from the knuckle lock. Uh, shoulder blocks, Kabashi to the outside, hits a baseball slide and a tope. Like, immediately. And yeah. then he applies a couple of... Uh, all Japan submission holds to him. He puts him in a, a Masawa's sort of chicken wing variant. Yes. And then he puts him in Kawada's stretch plum. And very soon after, he hits uh, the Kawada kicks to Kabashi. And someone will say that this is one of the reasons why when Joe actually did turn up in Noah to wrestle Masawa for the GHC title, that the Japanese fans didn't really know how to 
take him because he was all like I said, he was almost a tribute act. Mm. He was doing the moves that they knew other people for. I said it would be like a Japanese wrestler or a Mexican wrestler or someone from another country turning up in the WWE tomorrow, uh, wrestling. I don't know, like Seth Rollins and doing loads of Dean Ambrose's moves and gestures and yeah. uh, like sprinkling a bit of Roman Reigns and, Roman Reigns and yeah. Brock Lesnar into it. And if you don't have the cultural context to get that this is, you know, someone who's taken that influence and, and honed it with his own mm. style, it seems quite weird. It's weird when yeah. you just think about it from a different perspective and you realise, like, maybe this doesn't work to everyone's, you know... Well, maybe people back then didn't realise that the influence that Japan was having on the Western world, because obviously Japan is very culturally isolationist anyway, and I know the internet was growing, mm. um, and forums were starting to explode in the mid-noughties, but still. But it's, I think it's that difference between inspiration and imitation, isn't it? Maybe Joe shouldn't be doing the stretch plum and the kawada kicks, maybe he should be trying to find his own unique submission holds and mm. and kicking combinations, you know, there's like a if time you're doing um, it to the person that knows how those are taken. You know, it's strange. Yeah. Like, why do the stretch plum if you're going to wrestle a guy who knows how to escape it probably better than anyone else? Yeah, maybe just like to show off. Yeah, possibly. But yeah, it's 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 an homage to the King's Road, and it is lots of um, no selling moments and fired up fighting spirit, and a lot of strike exchanges. I think at least. 60% of all the moves in this match are some form of chop. That's, yeah. I mean, there's one bit where they, um, get, they, they lay into each other for ages. And th- th- this was the jump the shark sort of thing we were talking about, where maybe they just do these exchanges for slightly too long. Well, did you get that impression? No, not quite. I think they got the balance just right. And it was that sense of... Joe wanted to meet Kabashi on Kabashi's terms. Mm. And he wanted to prove that he was uh, an equal to him. Which and goes back to your plum stretch point. Maybe he that's, that's why he did that, to beat a Japanese wrestler using Japanese moves, to beat them at their own game. Mm, mm. But um, but yeah, Joe, Joe is able to get in his shit. You know, he does the Olay kick to Kabashi. He does do, later on, he does his submission sequence of the... <laughs> He does an STF into a cross face into a Rings of Saturn hold, which was like his. That was like a TNA thing that they brought into his Ring of yeah. um, thing of him Repertoire. adapting the submission move to whatever puts his opponent in more discomforts. Um, but yeah, then for the long stretch of the middle, Kabashi does kind of dominate, uh, like to the point that I made a note. This like this almost feels like a squash match uh, at times. Um, mm. I think it's just Joe being overwhelmed. Yeah, that was exactly what I put down. Kabashi overwhelming Joe, almost a squash at times. Um, but yeah, he's hitting his chops, running knees, uh, chops to the throats. He has an ex- every strike exchange. I think Kabashi basically wins in the. Yeah, end. I mean, a great example is after he's been hit with the Ole kick. Uh, Joe immediately goes for the second Ole kick. He counters it with that elbow, and then chops him over the barrier. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful how hard he hits him and just sends him flying. Mm. But yeah, the crowd is at a fever pitch and it never goes down. It really doesn't mm. seem... They got, they're they into everything. They just want to see Kabashi hit a chop. They want to see Kabashi, you know, get fired up and scream. And, and they want to see Joe take it to him, which he does do. Um, 
because like when like it was almost immediately after I said Kabashi's overwhelming Joe and it's almost like a squash it seems like they knew that yeah because then Joe gets his comeback because um, Kabashi uh, goes for a chop and uh, Joe's able to block it and turn it into an STO follows it up with, immediately with the senton hits him with chops and punches in the corner hits the power bomb they do that all Japan thing of like he's 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 blocking it he's blocking it so he has to weaken him a bit more with some kawada kicks yeah. turns it into kabashi's own move of the buckle bomb does his face washes then hits the muscle buster so that's his big sequence and then he goes into the power into the submission sequence but then he charges into a half nelson suplex and then it's like i said it's like when masawa wins these matches it's like he weathers the storm and yes. then he comes back, and really the sign of the true champion is the one that can take the shit kicking. So it's yeah. like, Kabashi's taken your best, now you have to take his best. He's endured it, and obviously you've expended so much energy trying to chop the tree down, that the tree is now going to come back onto you. That's one weird way of... I started thinking about an ent rather than a tree half through <laughs> and didn't change. So yeah, Kab- Kabashi uh, hits a half Nelson suplex, which looked like it was a bit of a deadlift for him. Like, Joe wasn't quite in the right position or something. Or maybe Kabashi wasn't expecting the weight that he got from him. And then we get the corner chops. Did you keep count? I did not keep count. I decided to keep count. So how long do you think it was and how many chops do you think he hit? Now, don't be silly. Just try and be as you would remember it. What would you think that was? All right, I'm just going to clear my mind, visualize it for a split sec. I've got 35 in my head for the number. Um, And this is like including the times when he slows down and speeds up again. Yeah. Length of time, I will clock in at two and a half minutes. You're completely wrong on both ends. There you go. Okay, what have I got? 85 chops. Oh, fuck me. I really got shot. I went way too conservative. In 30 seconds. Oh. How the hell So he's almost averaging three chops a second. How many times did you have to watch that clip? I went back three times, I think. There you go. And I'm sure I'm off a little bit, but I'm not (laughs) off by a lot. Up to Lorcan. Yeah. So, yeah, this is just Kambashi un- unloading everything on-, on Joe at this point. Double-handed chops to the throat, which look nasty as fuck. Hits another half Nelson suplex. Joe takes a head drop. That gets a really long two can, but Joe's hands next to the ropes. Joe fights, and, and, like, and Joe's trying desperately, desperately trying to stay in the thing. So he's hitting desperation elbows. But then Joe, uh, but then Kabashi catches him in a sleeper hold. Which he then suplexes Which he then in. turns into a suplex, which is another head drop. Yeah. And I love Joe's kick out of this one, which is just... It was almost like a like a Hulk up, but he doesn't actually have anything in him to do the Hulk up. So he does flail about, but he can't get yeah. up to his feet. He's like, you've uh, got to do more to get me. Yeah, he sort of like slaps his way out. Oh, yeah, those of. slaps. The crowd... I'd love... I mean, I've watched this match at least a dozen times over the years because I did get it on DVD fairly soon after it came out. And I did watch it a lot. Um, For our younger listeners, uh, DVD is... Oh, come on. They know what a DVD is. (laughs) My seven-year-old cousin... My my cousin's seven-year-old son walks around with a DVD of Rampage all the time because it's his favourite movie. 
I mean, of all the films to have as a favourite movie, I would not have expected Rampage, but there you go. Hang on, is Rampage the, the one, one with, with the rock? And the, and the ape? Yes. Seven-year-old? Yes, they are. It is a 12. They're not... The, the parents aren't delighted that he's somehow been able to get his hands on it, but they can't stop it now. There's a moment with <laughs> a hand gesture, because the character of the ape, Who's not actually called Rampage, I don't know. Oh, very quickly, spoiler alerts if for some reason you haven't watched that. Well, the ape has learnt sign language, put it this way, and he makes a universal sign language for a particular act that... (laughs) You know. um, And and my cousin's son does not yet know what that means, and the parents are um, claiming innocence and ignorance as well at this point. But I do look forward to... Well, I'll never see it, but in my head I imagine, like, 12-year-old, 13-year-old, however old him, finally realising what that means. Like when someone gestures it to him. Yeah. Like, at school, for example. Or like when you watch Forrest Gump and you realise what actually happened to Forrest after he touches Jenny's boobs for the first time. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, so, yeah. Head drops uh, to uh, long, and then Joe hits those desperation slaps, and I just love those slaps because they're so nasty. Kabashi's just standing there and taking them, and just kind of, and the crowd just can't believe the sound of those slaps. Oh, you know? this, I I <laughs> like love the sound echoing across the arena, but it's it's clear that there's nothing much left, and so Joe goes for a lariat, and Kabashi does that cool chopping the arm to block the lariat. He's not ducking it; he's taking out your weapon. Yeah, hits a series of back drop, back chops where he sort of spins around, chops him in the neck, and then it's a brilliant moment where he's like, he does, he screams to the crowd like almost like the Stan Hansen lariat uh, gesture, and behind him, Joe is also screaming to try and will himself to stay yeah. up. That's such a cool visual. But then Kabashi runs the ropes, hits his lariat, which is kind of like his number three finisher, mm. you know, and that gets the three count. Yeah, well, his knees probably can't do too many burning hammers at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, they reserve the burning hammer. He only uses it eight times, and like as much as they respect Joe and the and the yeah, know, they're never going to do they're that. Like, we're not, we're not, we're not bringing the burning hammer out for this. Yeah, there's no title on the line. It's in front of five hundred very enthusiastic people, but still only five hundred people. People, and this isn't on Japanese television. Yeah, and with what with his knees, could he really moonsault? Well, that's what's interesting when you look at it. Like I said, like so much of Bashi's arsenal at this point are just chops and strikes because you don't have to exert as much physical um, movement. You don't have to move. You know, you don't have to push yourself too far to keep chopping someone. Yeah. Whereas, got good cardio. When you think about the Kabashi of the early 90s, we were making observations that he was almost Kurt Angle-esque in that he seemed to be able to do everything. Yeah. And did all of these cool moves, like moonsaults and remember that rolling cradle thing he used to do all the time and just like, he had an incredibly wide selection of moves mm. and now well, he's very all... clearly limited them to what he can do still and, and just know when to do it and how to do it and because he's already earned that um, love from the fans. It's like I said with Hulk Hogan, like he earned that love from the fans. They just wanted to see him do it. They didn't care if he's not quite physically yeah, not what quite he just was. To go back, because obviously you mentioned Kurt just there for a hot second. Um, there were courts kind of physically in parallels at this time, because this is when Kurt um, 
not long after they do one night stand and, and what have you. And then the ECW brand starts and Kurt switches to his more aggressive mat wrestling based style for the same reason. He can't physically do the stuff we saw him do earlier. Yeah, but then the madman was still doing moonsaults off steel cages until a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, oh, God bless Kurt for like, you know, keeping going. But towards the end, <laughs> towards the end, it was just tragic. Like seeing him run the ropes. Um, and his matches before he he left. Oh, yeah. that was let's horrible. Get back, let's get back to the match though. And let's get back Sorry. to the bashing. Because, um, like you said, like he's lost so much of what we saw when he started. But when he, but all that stuff that he put himself through for the fans has really that's what's earned him this kind of reaction and the streamers and everything that he just never expected. And I think that probably pushed him to go further than he originally intended at the start of the match. Well, I mean, have you heard the story of what Kabashi wanted to do in the match when they were throwing ideas at each other? No, I've not. He thought that he was going to be seen as the, you know, the, the evil foreign Japanese heel. And so he was pitching all of these sneaky Japanese heel moves to Joe. Yeah. Like like he'd like throw salt in his eyes or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. It's Fuji. Yeah, well yeah, he kind of thought that he would have to be doing like old eighties Mr. Fuji stuff. And oh. Joe was like, No, trust me. Yeah. That is not what the fans are here for. Could you imagine if he had done that, how I kind of want to see that match. I wanna see the parallel universe where Kabashi insists that he does the sneaky Japanese heel act. Oh, you get green mists, Joe, or something like that yeah. as well. Um, uh, yeah, but like I said, when the crowd, he walks out and the crowd just cheers and he doesn't quite know what to do, so he just sort of raises his arms up. <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when, when he does his, uh, when he's given his uh, introduction and the streamers all go flying into the ring again, just something, like, like I said, when that happened to Liger as well, he was kind of like, wait, what? You guys don't do this. <laughs> It's a, it's a lovely gesture, though. The streamers. Oh, yeah. It is yeah. awesome, you know, and like the crowd just go just so crazy for him, and you can tell he appreciates it. And like, did you watch the aftermath where they like shake hands and he helps Joe back to his feet? And there's Jay yeah. Lethal there as Joe's corner man at the time. And uh... there's a great moment where Joe is still on the ground and Kabashi's got up, and Jay Lethal is over him, and you just see Kabashi walk towards him, and there's like a a microsecond of concern on Lethal's <laughs> face of, oh my God, please don't kill me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they shake hands and he leaves. And um, yeah. But before that, like he bows to the crowd and the crowd got starts, like I said, there was so many chants and this was the start of that chant culture. Yeah. And it was like, it was just on the precipice of turning annoying, you know, like I said, with the I can't see shit chants and stuff like that. Uh, and the, this is awesome chant again. Um, starting to really become the Duriger chant, but it was you know this was awesome. Yeah. Like, you know they were they were chanting it really early into the match as well. It wasn't just they were having like like is often the case in WWE a match that you would maybe give like three and a half stars to if you're that way inclined and the crowd feels like they have to chant this is awesome. It's like it's it's like this is very good. okay. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Adequate. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I've now wanted someone to do an adequate chant now. <laughs> a wrestling match. Uh, uh, my worst moment with stupid chants um, was the NXT takeover I saw live, where um, it was uh, Shinji. Na- um, Shin- Shin- oh, fucking hell. Um, 
Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn. Uh, and some people were starting a USA chant. I'm like, he's Canadian, you dope! Well, in fairness, at least they were kind of trying to do that for one guy. But yeah, done. Yeah. Um, and also, it's obviously not the atmosphere of the crowd at that point. I mean, I guess that Shinsuke Nakamura match was like the, the NXT version of this, really, wasn't it? The 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 home star against the the Japanese star that was, you know, though you know people couldn't quite believe that they were getting to see it. You know, <laughs> I, I I'm so blessed I got to see that live. But anyway, um, back to this match. Um, oh yeah, but like I said at the end, the fans chant Arigato, and it's like both great and lame, slightly at racist the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as they didn't, yeah, it's like. You only know this from the Mr. Roboto song. Yeah. That's the That's only, the only way. You know Arigato. Yeah. <laughs> I had exactly the same thought there, so. So it was like both, I think Kabashi's going to appreciate it, but, you know. Uh, like the first time they do it, he's like, oh, well, he seems all right with it. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and, and he bows to all the people and then he leaves and like the next night he had a tag team match with uh, uh, Homicide against Samoa Joe and Loki and that's a very good match to, to seek out if you can uh, not of this calibre but... is that also on the DVD you've got? no it was the next show but I did get that on DVD as well oh, okay. but I didn't watch that match nearly as much as I watched uh, this match yeah uh, it's interesting that they went with the singles match first and then the tag match you, often you would do it the other way around but I think yeah I, well I guess if you're that concerned because obviously going back to the bit yeah, where yeah, you yeah. Said the steps about his knees you get the, you yeah. get the good stuff in and that, was what, and that was what they did when Liger came in the year before as well they did it yeah. was Liger um, uh, who did oh yeah it was Liger versus Danielson in a singles match and then the next night it was Liger and Samoa Joe against Danielson and Loki so again, it was kind of using the same format that they'd used yeah. at that time that had worked so well for them the year before. Um, so I, it's a weird thing. Like I said, if you watch this match in a vacuum, like without the volume, you know, it's like it's like I said, and this is why I kind of compare it to Hogan Rock. Like if you looked at Hogan Rock without the crowd, like on mute, you wouldn't necessarily love it as much yeah. as you do with the crowd. So if this is a five-star match, I think it's the crowd that pushes it to the five-star match. Because like I said, it's almost like a tribute match, but not quite. Joe, I think through Joe's aggression, he still makes it feel like a match rather than an exhibition. Yeah. But at times it comes close to feeling like an exhibition. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But I'm going to be not so up my own ass, and I am going to give this five stars. Almost as, It's almost like a five-star tribute for the whole match, for the surrounding events, for the fact that the match existed, and also just as a five stars as a final tribute to the career of Kenta Gabashi, which is what this was. Yeah. This was basically a one big arigato. <laughs> which, thankfully, again, he was okay with. Yes. Um, Although with all the... God knows what's in his knees and elbows at this point. Maybe he is partly Mr. Roboto. So he has to be. <laughs> um, I don't have, obviously, your prior attachment to the match. I, this is the first time I've seen it compared to your easily double digits um, time of watching the match. And I try... I, I It's becoming harder and harder the more and more I've watched. I've naturally started assimilating context into what I'm seeing. Um, so for that, and for the fact that I actually really enjoyed this match as well, um, it did tell the great story of Joe has something different to deal with. 
I'm giving this five stars as well. Yeah, it feels like if this was a match that had taken place, like if if, if the relationship had continued and maybe if Kenta Kabashi had been physically able to still go, maybe this would have been like the start of a rivalry that could have ended with Jeff yeah. getting that victory over Kabashi, you know, two or three years later. But yeah, this is, you could again, have... this is coming down, winding towards the end of Kabashi's career as well. Yeah, uh, you could have had Joe chasing over to nowhere, keep trying to invite well, that was, him back. That was the storyline. That the, there was a sense in 2007 that that Joe was a little bit bitter about this match and hadn't let on, and mm. did start calling out all of the 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 Noah talent, and it was going to be Joe versus Noah as a storyline. Yeah. But this was around the time that that he was forced to leave to become a TNA exclusive wrestler. Ah, uh, okay. Well, you had to go where the money was. And you? I saw his second from last match uh, in Liverpool with Nigel McGuinness when he was leaving. Um, so, uh, the, but, um, and, and like, I remember he did like a whole promo. And like I said, I think at this point, Kabashi wasn't able to wrestle really anymore anyway. And like, well, he wasn't known. I think the retirement ceremony happened in 2009, but he hadn't like wrestled for like a year yeah. or so before then. Uh, I don't know if that was the cancer at this point that had affected it. But anyway... I think he, it was. But, like, he, I remember he said, like, um, in 2007, like, bring me Marafuji, bring me Morishima, who was the guy that... Like, they'd had a brawl with each other at the uh, Glory Bayana mm. show the year, like, a couple of months before that kind of set this off. And then he said, I tell you what, even what... I tell you what, even you, old man, bring me Mitsuhara Masawa. Which... <sighs> Then, like, he was gone from WWE, from Ring of Honor, so they weren't able to complete that story within Ring of Honor, but TNA did allow him one show in Noah to have that GHC yeah. title match with Masao, which Masao won. And like I said, which Joe didn't necessarily leave the greatest impression on the Japanese audience, but he only had one match with which to do it anyway, really. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it, in that scenario? Um, Joe could have definitely had a career in Noah, I think. I think I would have enjoyed him there if they could, but like TNA was where the money was, and yeah. It's tough with Samoa Joe, um, just looking at him as a whole. Well, yeah, we, I guess we can kind of summarise Joe and, and Kabashi. I mean, I don't think Joe's quite got another five-star match in him anymore because it will be under WWE auspices, not in NXT. If he was in NXT, I think he would have probably had one. Mm. But I think... I did, I did, did love... Joe, like, Meltzer did give, like, the, four, the four-way match he had with Joe, with uh, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and yeah. Braun Strowman. I think he gave that four and a half stars. I think he might have given the Joe Lesnar match something around that as well. Ah, uh, it's that every time they've pulled wanted to pull the trigger on Joe, he just seems to lose. And... Well, I think they don't see Joe as that. I think they see him as the guy that helps. You know, he's like the level below. He's kind of in the similar role that Ishii is in New Japan. Like he's a believable rival to anyone, and he can lose without it hurting them, and he can also beat them without it hurting them. Like he can, he can beat Roman Reigns, and it's not like it feels like it's an upset. Yeah, and I guess he or did. Like, like I said, he's he's like Ishii or like Arn Anderson in WCW. You know, he's <clears> that <throat> level in WWE. And I think, you know, I think if I'm Joe, I'm more than happy with that role at this point in his career. When I'm sure for the longest time he thought his time, his chance to have been in the WWE had come and, and gone. gone. Yeah, until the WWE started changing <clears throat> their hiring practices after the arrival of. Well, it was kind of thanks to CM Punk and Brian, uh, Daniel Bryan, but also particularly like AJ Styles getting so over, mm. and NXT allowing them to hire people that maybe Vince McMahon's not as big and interested in. I but Triple really... H knows what they can get, and, and William Regal's influence as well. 
And speak of Regal, uh, one thing Samoa Joe and William Regal did well, which is so rare, mainly because people have only, only tried to replay Austin McMahon for the last 20 years, but Regal as a face authority figure, his interactions with heel Samoa Joe were like beautiful. Regal! Beautiful. And, and, and you've got to give Joe, Joe respect as well for taking that risk to go to NXT because, you know, Triple H said there are no guarantees you will get beyond this. Yeah, and you know you might be spending your last years wrestling in front of like a couple of hundred people in Florida, at least half of whom will be obnoxious pricks. <laughs> yeah, but it's by that point you're getting you're getting those people. I think, I think Full Sail has deprickified itself quite a lot now. Yeah, uh, now that they kind of accept that the takeovers aren't, you know, just theirs. Theirs. It's probably it's for the best. Yeah, you know, be thankful for what you get. Yeah. And we are very thankful for what we got from both Samoa Joe and Kenta Kabashi. So a lot of people make the case that Kabashi's better than Masawa, and I've got my theory here. Okay. Here's my theory. If you like Kabashi over Masawa, you're more likely than not to be a dog person. And if you like Masawa over Kabashi, you're more likely to be a cat person. I, I am waiting for you to expand Kabashi is all emotion all expressions all babyface fire he's got Ricky Steamboat's qualities to him he wants the crowd on his side he does the underdog stuff you know he, he takes losses whereas Masawa is not doing anything to gain your affection but you love him anyway mm. I like Masawa over Kabashi so that says a lot about me I guess I'm not saying you are iner- inherently more of a cat person than a dog person. Yeah. Like, it I depends was... what you want from each individual thing, I guess. Yeah, well, it's also, you know, we, we've only watched these matches. Like I said, it was a time... I think it's also cool to, to like the slightly less mainstream choice. Because, like, in the 90s, Kabashi was the up-and-comer and Masao was the top guy. And Kabashi yeah. would lose, so therefore that would generate sympathy for him. Whereas Masao always won. So it was like, well... He doesn't need my support. He needs yeah. my support to the guy that's going to get there eventually. Yeah, but that's how Brexit happened. That's yeah. not how Brexit happened. That's not There's how so Brexit many. happened in the slightest. I don't no. know where you got that from. Oh, well, there was an element of people thinking, I don't need to bother to maybe, vote. Maybe my cat gonna... person analogy was stretching it, but my God, man. The only way I mean is because there were people that thought, oh, well, Remain's going to win. I don't need to go oh, out and vote okay. for it. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think that's wishful thinking on Remainer's sides. Um, but um, anyway. No, I know people who did exactly that. I think I think Kabashi had more... Like I said, he tried so hard. And you could see that effort. Like I said, the thing we were saying is like, with Kawada and Kabashi, you saw the effort in everything. Whereas yeah. Masawa makes everything look effortless. Relatively. Yes, and that's. And I think you, people you, appreciate and the effort, also, and also because he's so much more built around facial expressions and firing up and everything, and that builds into the more westernized vision of wrestling. Mm. But that's that's not entirely fair. Like loads of great Japanese wrestlers show great babyface fire as well. Like um, Tanahashi is amazing at that. But yeah. maybe again, that's like the increasingly merging of wrestling cultures together to form one whole. You know. Like, maybe Kabashi's someone that loved watching more American wrestling stuff and then therefore was more culturally aware of the, the Japanese heel. And picked and, up things from the Gaijin. Was. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, I, I don't think there's any point saying who's better or worse. I think they're both just 
fucking fantastic, and I don't like ranking everything uh, in spite of what we do. In the show. <laughs> I don't see, I don't see, I don't see, and you know, we've only watched like we've not watched enough of either of them to say no. that truly different. And they and they had different roles to play. Kabashi was the up and comer for so much longer than Misawa was. Mm. Um, outside of you know, Misawa's time as the up and comer was his Tiger Mask, and that was kind of lost and he didn't and he had to be sped up into his position because of the departure of Genichiro Tenru. Whereas when Kabashi was making that ascent, Misawa was always there, Kawada was always there, Tawe was always there, Stan Hansen was still there, Steve Williams was there. You know, there was there was more, you know there was requirement for Misawa to step on to, into that role that allowed him more opportunities to have those five star matches. But still, like at the end of the day, they have the same number of five-star singles matches from Dave Meltzer, Masara, and Kabashi with eight. They have the same number of six-man tag matches, probably because they were on the same side during, I think, all of them, at <laughs> yeah. six. And they were both... And Masawa has ten tag team matches five, that were given five stars, and Kabashi has eight tag team matches that were given five stars. And, and also, we saw the adaptability of Kabashi in that um, All-Asia tag team match that, for the longest time, was so high up on our respects. Yes. And only just now departed our definitive five in favour of Bret Hart versus Steve Austin. And in that one, Kabashi is the the strongest character. So he's he's shown that adaptability that Misawa never had to show in any of these five-star matches. So maybe he's a more versatile performer than Misawa, whereas Misawa's maybe the better big-time, big-match performer. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I, I can see that trailer of, of trailer four, but I guess because we it's tough because we didn't get to see mm. much of Masawa do anything else, but because maybe the reason for that is because he was so good and just plugged into that role so naturally, we never had the need to. Mm. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, when Kabashi had his time, he had that two-year period where he had these great fight, these great title matches, and like I said, he was able to get a great match out of Tawei, but none of them got five stars outside of the victory and the Junakiyama match. Mm. So we haven't had a chance to watch enough of Kabashi's Noah stuff. And he's already, you know, walking wounded at that point. So uh, he burnt bright, but he burnt he burnt out quick. Although, you know, Masawa for entirely different reasons as well. Mm, sadly. Um, but look, he's still number two overall, and it's still going to take Kazuchika Okada quite a long time to overtake Kabashi as well. Yeah. He's still got another, at this point, I believe six or seven matches that he needs to get five stars at time of recording. That might have decreased, but he's still going to take a couple more years before Okada reaches that point. So second place is the silver medal position at at a minimum, and some will say he's pure gold, is Kabashi's for the time being. And that's the end of the four pillars as well. So they've dominated for and, so and again, long, you know, how much in, that, it, in what how, we do. How, how suitable is it that the guy in North America who's probably most directly continued that legacy of the King's Road style is the guy that we see in the final match involving yeah. any of those four? And there is a poetry to it. Mm. It's a nice little, like, beautiful... Again, well, semi... Uh, sort of like to- the torch passing point, again, in a way. Sort of, but Joe was... Joe Joe built his own thing now. Uh, yeah. Um, and and uh, is himself like slightly more physically limited as time's gone on and has adapted just as well. And he does, you know, he's does he's maybe the best promo in the WWE at the moment, Samoa Joe. Mm. He's up there. He's he's believable. Yes. I I still have reservations though. I I, I think 
the, it's the boy who cried wolf. I think occasionally you've just got to let him have it. Well, he's had he's the wins, that's but not his yeah, fault, but that's how I know, works. I know. But it does it does alter it does affect perception when you're well, over. He got, he got, he, 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 am I misremembering you? But he won the feud with Jeff Hardy, didn't he? Yeah, he won. And also, that. we've not seen him do badass babyface Samoa Joe in the WWE yet. We saw it in NXT, but he's his whole like run hot, in WWE yeah. has been a, a heel run. Yeah. Well, I'd love to, I would love to see Babyface Joe. Maybe that's what he needs. Mm, maybe that's what will come now with the Roman Reigns storyline. Possibly. But anyway, I think that's enough for now. If you want to get in touch with you, Simon, to talk some more about Joe, Kabashi, or what your position on Brexit or dogs and cats are. <laughs> oh, Jesus. How can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm certainly known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of times Law can watch that chop segment. To count how many chops there were. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for the A in Kabashi and N for the N in Kenta. That's my Twitter handle. That's my Instagram account. That's my uh, Gmail address. We put at gmail.com at the end of it. Find me on Letterboxd, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. Fine, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. How can we make a website that's so obnoxious you end up not wanting to give up your current job? But anyway, (laughs) until then, our next episode is the final episode of the noughties. And it's a very different kind of environment, but it's another Japanese showcase in Ring of Honor. Simon, what is our next match going to be? Our next match is between two Dragon Gate teams in Ring of Honor. So I don't know if you count this as a Ring of Honor match or not. It's, it's Ring of Honor as the hosts of a Dragon Gate match. As I put it down as ROH. Yeah. As Seema, Masatsu Yoshino, and Naruki Doi. I feel like the man, <laughs> a wagamama who tries to pronounce everything rather than use the numbers. <clears throat> Takes on Dragon Kid. Nailed that one. Genki Horiguchi and Ryo Saito. I think it's Ryo Saito. Oh, come on! <laughs> so goddamn close. But until then, my name's Lorcaine Mulan. <laughs> my name's Simone Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Thank you, Kenta Kabashi. And thank you, Samoa Joe. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Too far, we'll keep an eye on you.